I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rotor Report podcast. We're here to talk about some good news for once, um, signings. Feels like the season's finally underway, doesn't it? Now we've brought a couple of players in. We're re-signing, I guess, of Bailey Wright from Bristol City, who well, he was released at the end of the season, but free transfer signing, two-year deal, which is great news, I guess, in the sense that he's a good player. Not so great news that he's injury-prone, but we'll see how that goes. And we've also brought in Aidan O'Brien, Millwall striker. Again, another free transfer, somebody who comes pretty highly rated. So yeah, we're going to get into it, we're going to talk about both players, see what they're maybe going to get up to when the season starts, and today I'm joined by Craig and Alex, lads, how we doing? Very good. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Fantastic. Uh, so Craig, first off, Bailey Wright signed for Sunland, two-year deal, Phil Parkinson seemed pretty happy, he said, uh, I'm delighted to have signed Bailey, he's a very good player, but he's also an excellent character and leader, he's very re- he's really important sign for us. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. He's a really important sign for us, and because of his quality, there was plenty of competition for his signature, so I'd like to credit the owner and Jim Rodwell for getting the deal over the line. Um, happy? Unhappy? Not convinced? How do you feel? Yeah, I'm over the moon uh, that we've, we've managed to bring him back in. Um, before his arrival at Sunderland, I'd seen an awful lot of Bailey Wright uh, back in his Preston days when I used to cover an awful lot of them um, under Simon Grayson's time. Um, when we brought Bailey Wright into the club, I know that there was, you know, a lot of comments about his his injury record and things like that. But it's important to remember on the positives. As soon as he came into this side, we kept four clean sheets out of five uh, against Tranmere, Ipswich, Oxford, and Rochdale. The only exception was the two 0 game uh, down at Portsmouth. But in hindsight, you know, we had plenty of chances where in reality we could have been ahead in that game. But so be it. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly a good signing. Obviously, it is something that we needed to do because we were so incredibly short of numbers after losing uh, Ozturk. Can't really factor Tommy Smith into that because he didn't do an awful lot. Uh, Jack Baldwin as well. So we did need strength and depth. And I think it's it's certainly an important signing because I would actually rate him immediately as our as our best centre-back straight away. Um, it's good, obviously, for Jordan Willis and Tom Flanagan as well that we're going to have a bit of consistency there and it immediately starts us with that springboard of knowing that Phil Parkinson likes his back three and I think it is a pretty good back three as well. It actually goes far as saying I think this is the best defensive partnership we've had since we've dropped out the Premier League. Um, it brings in enormous experience. Obviously, he's won promotion out of this division before, um, albeit it was, it was five years ago now, uh, with Preston, but 
yeah, it's uh, it's an extremely important signing, I would say, and it's it's a really good step in the right direction. I know there was a little bit of concern amongst the fan base that whilst other teams were doing a bit of business, we were quite quiet on that front. And there was concerns, of course, that we've just lost uh, some members of the recruitment team. So a little bit of uncertainty on that side. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy with them. Um, just noting, obviously, the, you know, the injury record. I think that there has been a lot of concerns and much has been made regarding that. But I would just draw people to well, the ever-trustworthy Wikipedia on this, but um, stats actually aren't really that bad in terms of appearances. Um, he has actually played more than 40 games each season up until 2018-19, and I know he had his knee injury here last season, and he's had a couple of niggles uh, Bristol City as well, but I think he's going to fit in absolutely well here, and providing he can be managed right, uh, one of Phil Parkinson's successes was um, in terms of the fitness and things like that, I think we've got a hell of a defender on our hands. Alex, do you share Craig's enthusiasm for, for Bailey Wright? Yeah, I absolutely do. Looking back at last season, we had that back three where, as Craig highlighted, we kept you know a very good string of clean sheets. And I again, what Craig said there, I hadn't really thought of, but obviously since dropping out of the Premier League, I would certainly agree that that's the best defensive back line. I mean, obviously, you know what was the Championship season? You had what Browning and O'Shea. You know that was probably your strongest back line for centre backs, and that was obviously fairly horrendous as was evident by the uh, the rapid drop in the League One. And since we've been there um, in the 18-19 season, you would probably argue that defence was maybe the weakest aspect of the team. You need only look at Baldwin and Flanagan against Coventry in a few other games where there was no real confidence, no real cohesion or real real sort of formidability at the back. It was very much... It was very much that um, we had two players who looked like that they didn't look sure of themselves or each other. And as soon as the going got tough, um, they... Well, they didn't get going. They were got, I suppose, to put it put it bluntly. But no, with that back three, we have essentially Parkinson's strongest preferred defensive lineup, albeit only the first team squad with no current depth. But there's plenty of time to to rectify that and bring some more faces in. But like Crick says again, we have Willis, we have Flanagan, we have Wright, and I think just based on what we saw of his team selections, that's his preferred um defensive partnerships and. I think evidently that's also his strongest ones. Wright, for me, did a very good job of sort of allowing Willis and Flanagan to move into the flanks necessarily to cover cover the wing backs, and and I think he commanded a lot of presence there. That especially Flanagan needed. We saw again to maybe reference the Coventry game, him and Baldwin together always looked very unsure of each other. But Wright seems to bring a, a more of like a leader's presence to that back that back line. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Willis doesn't need it so much. Willis is, I think, possibly more com- is probably composed and intelligent enough to not necessarily require that. But it, I'd imagine that certainly helps. And in the case of Flanagan, it's possibly good for him to have someone to help sort of coordinate the motions when the team's moving forward with the team when they attack mm-hmm. and when they're moving back to defend. So yeah, he could really prove to be an integral part of that team, a real keystone to the bridge. Hopefully, obviously, touch wood, I've not got any wooden services that I can currently knock that is in my immediate grasp, but assuming he doesn't get injured, I think that'll be a fantastic signing. And I'm just going to go on the record and say it, just because I think we need to say it, because I don't want to, I don't want to sort of brand myself or, or the Roker reporters being totally negative of the powers that be, but I suppose, you know, well done, fair play, Jim Rodwell, for getting that over the line, because that was a big sign that the fans wanted to have made. Yeah, well, that's precisely what Phil Parkinson said he did. He gave Jim Rodwell and, and the owner credit for getting the deal over the line. Um, just to touch on what you said there about leadership, I think, uh, you know, that's probably the biggest character trait that, that Wright gives us, injured or not, because he's... um. 
He's been captain of a few teams, hasn't he, throughout his career? And in his in his quote on SFC.com, he he obviously touched on the fact he was happy to be here, but he did make a really interesting point. I thought he said, although I only worked with the manager for a short spell, I really enjoyed the structure and discipline of the team, which is something that Tom Flanagan actually spoke um spoke about when when he signed his new deal last week. Um, was the fact that he, he actually quite enjoyed playing for Phil Parkinson, which um, isn't something I would really expect to hear from from many of the players. I don't know why. Um, but anyways, he, he did go on to say that he expects that Phil Parkinson expects his players to give everything on the pitch and be good people. And we have that culture within the dressing room. We are heading in the right direction. I'm very confident we can achieve our ambitions next season. I mean, how important, Craig, do you think it is to have players like Wright who... You know, mentality has to be everything now with Sunderland. We have to, we have to think like winners, I guess. Um, oh, I think it, it's, it's absolutely it, you crucial. Know, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. It's absolutely crucial. I, th- I, I would say I can't stress enough now. I think that this season, in terms of the recruitment, without over exaggerating this, I don't think we can afford to get even one deal wrong. I know if we see a flashback to the window two years ago when we brought in all those bodies, when we've mentioned, you know, Baldwin, Flanagan, Ozturk, Leuvens and things like that, it's probably fair to say that around 50% of those signings, they just didn't work out for whatever reason. Mm. But now the position that we're in, because of the uncertainty, if you like, about whether this proposed wage cap will take impact or effect, we just don't know with that. But not only that, we don't have uh, the resources and we don't have the funds due to, you know, the absence of parachute payments now. But yeah, I think by you know, laying down this marker and, and basically going into the championship and taking out Aidan O'Brien and obviously taking out Bailey Wright as well. I, I think that is a really strong statement because I do believe that the division is going to be an awful lot tougher this season. Um, As for Bailey Wright in terms of who he is, I would honestly expect immediately that that is going to be a person who could rival anybody for the captain's armband, whether it is going to be Power or Ledbetter, who we know since return to the club as well. But I don't think anybody would have any concerns or any doubts if he was the one to say lead the the team out on the first day of the season. I would also go as far as saying I don't think that really there was any said doubt um, that when our dip in form happened really with the last kind of four or five games where we began to to tail off, it coincided with obviously Bailey Wright's injury. Um, I mean, that's just my opinion, of course, but I think when he came into the side and we, we put that run of form together, albeit we weren't great um we were you know scraping some wins here and there but for a lot of games you thought we're just not going to concede and that really hasn't been a trait of a Sunderland side that we've we've seen for an awful long time so you know whilst I say it I'm not particularly Phil Parkinson's biggest fan um I think he's got this deal absolutely spot on so it's mm. it is really really good to see us doing things the right way um and getting off to a, to a good start I'm not sure of course when he's due to return because the madness of obviously 2020 you're reading that he's still got to you know self-isolate because he's been to Ibiza it does not get any more 2020 than that um so hopefully he'll fit fit in in the next week or two when he's when he's safe to return to training but yeah um I think it's a it's a really good deal and judging by the reaction on social media I I think everybody feels the same yeah I'm talking about characteristics of the of the players that we've got currently obviously we only have three centre-halves on the books and they're all very different players writes very much a an aerial presence perhaps somebody who plays in the middle of the three defenders dictates you know how the back line moves then you've got Flanagan who can play pretty much anywhere but probably on the left hand side of that and then Willis on the right um is, a, is an overlap overlapping right back um we have actually lost four centre-halves we've lost Jack Baldwin who didn't play last season but still he's gone Lynch who um played on that left hand side um God, who am I forgetting? Two more defenders. Ozturk. Um, yeah, Ozturk, obviously. Ozturk's gone. 
And Tommy um, Smith, also very forgettable. Yes, another forgettable signing. But <laughs> regardless, that's four defenders we've lost. I mean, what sort of centre-half would you like to see us bring in next? Alice, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to sign, sign one more central defender. Um, I mean, what kind of defender would, do we need? Really? Well, I think the kind of player you need in an ideal world, looking at those three that we have now, I think you want someone who's quite sturdy, quite sort of physically dominant for a physically dominant but still quite sort of technically capable obviously when when you're shopping in league one and when we no longer have the parachute payments you know we can't think too wishfully i suppose but what i would like to see i suppose if we're going to be savvy about it is you probably want for me maybe like a big imposing center back someone who could play on either side of someone in the middle like bailey wright perhaps you know due to the limitations of the transfer window when you're in league one i I would go ahead and say I wouldn't mind if they're if they're a bit of a daft lad, if you know what I mean, if they're not particularly if they're not particularly strong on their decision making, because if they have someone like Jordan Willis or Billy Wright in the team, I think that will help make their decisions for them. It's the kind of thing I think we saw with Corney and Kabul to a to obviously to a lower extent. Whereas Corney was a bit of a, you know, big sort of boulder, you know, very physically capable, you know, absolute man mountain, but when he wasn't with someone like Kabul who can make his decisions for him, he was a bit stupid. I think that's the kind of signing I could see us realistically making next. Like, the, like someone who's you know very big, very sort of dominant in the air, you know, strong in the tackle, and their only sort of downside of their game would be compensated by having intelligent players either side of them or on their left, on their right, wherever. That's what I could see. But I think as well with Bailey Wright and with the signing that we need to make, I think what's especially important to touch on is that we need to sign a player who has the mentality. Because you said it earlier, Gav, we do need to think like winners I think it was either you or Craig who said it I mean you need only look yeah. at Wickham you know they you know that they do they have they possibly have the worst ever promoted team on paper not that I'm much of a league one historian but you know they're rubbish they got promoted from eighth but at no point in the season did they stop thinking like winners and that's how we need to be as well Bailey Wright for example is someone who I don't believe for a second will be daunted by having to play in front of the you know, the 30,000 that we get every week in, in League One at, at the Stadium of Light. I don't think he's someone who'll cower away. He's played at a higher level than League One. He's played nationally for Australia. You know, he's played at the World Cup. He's played He's played arguably at, at the highest level. If you want to include national football in club football as one sort of myriad, then he's played at the highest level. He's certainly, he's certainly seen bigger stakes than challenging for the League One title, in my opinion. So just on the basis of that, I think, you know, we're very lucky to have someone with that mentality and also whoever we bring in as well for our next centre-backs, they need to have a similar mentality. Obviously, again, yeah. maybe wishful thinking to hope for some more internationals who've played at the World Cup. You know, that I highly doubt that's a, uh, that's a really realistic possibility for a League One transfer acumen. But ultimately, just anyone who has that mentality of, right, this is, you know, the stakes are high here. Yes, this is a big stadium. Yes, the fans, you know, do want us to succeed and they do have high standards for us getting promoted. But I'm prepared to shoulder that and get on with my job. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on this actually, but Brandon Taylor signed a new deal this week, who is obviously another central defensive option, a young lad out of the under-23s who hasn't played a great deal of first-team football, but he is, you know, a a decent player. Um, He's very much more in the Jordan Willis mould, where he can play on the right of the three. He's not like a big lad. He's a bit smaller, good with the ball at his feet. I mean, Craig, do you see him maybe as one of those five, I'd say, defensive options next season? I think we will need a bit more of a reliance on some of the younger lads who have signed a deal. I know that it is pretty much slim pickings in the academy at the moment, but for some of the lads who have Mm. featured in the AFL Trophy uh, games maybe in the last season or two, I think we are going to have to try and blood them. And I think it is important to actually now give them that opportunity to allow them to actually stand on their own two feet because one of our biggest grievances is that a lot of these lads have looked elsewhere 
um even as recent as say jordan hunter um he's he's went to south shields for guaranteed first team f- football um, there was the other Dutch lad who were interested in the defender who signed yeah. for South Shields. Food adverse Stratton, yeah. Yeah, ra- rather than obviously come here because we couldn't offer the guarantee of whether he'd be playing in the 23s or the first 11. But um, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to have to do that. I think we're going to have to give him the opportunity now because, you know, alleged he has caught us a bit of an interest from a few Premier League teams. But I... I honestly think now we're, we're, we're going to have to look a little bit closer to home. Um, like I said, we don't have the resources that we once have where we can literally pull in, say, 12, 13 bodies. Um, and we're going to have to make sure that the squad is somewhat streamlined. And we're going to have to make sure that we basically utilise absolutely everything we've got. Um, I know that he featured you know, very, very briefly um, in in last season, but I, I, I'd be prepared um, to, to basically blood him in I don't think he's going to be ready for first team football as of yet but for adequate cover yeah I, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him involved and it's kind of like you said he is more of the, the Jordan Willis mould more of a ball playing centre half um, he does have the right physicality for us but you know if we don't give them the opportunity to, to at least have a go we're just never going to find out are we so yeah I'd no. I'd be happy to see the likes of him get their chance rather than say go out and, and you know waste more of uh of all already, I suppose a really tight budget on somebody who is probably going to come up here for a short term deal, maybe not buy into the area, and then probably piss off at the end of the season. So mm. I'd really like us to to be more reliant on um on what we've got. Alex, anything to add on central defensive options before we move on? I know obviously we we've been talking about maybe bringing bringing through Taylor. Do you see him as a as a first team option next season? Or is it, I mean, I, I personally, I would like to see the lad go out on loan, but I. I can sort of buy into the idea that he might be good cover for Flanagan and and Willis. Uh, what what's your take? No, I'm I'm with I'm with uh, Craig on that one. I'd like to see him. I'd I'd certainly like to see him introduced into the first team squad. I'd like to see him get a debut under his belt. I couldn't personally see him being a, a staple in the first team, but I suppose crazier things have happened. Ultimately, the 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 fact of the matter is, and it's it's not so much Craig's opinion more as it is just a complete you know categorical fact that we have a very limited budget you know there's there's a you know the, a wage cap will be introduced obviously clubs may have some time to get the rack together before that comes in but the, the parachute payments have gone there's not an awful lot to play around with not as much as we've had and certainly we've blown a lot more than what we've had before so again we need to get this right and we need to play it safe I think to a certain extent with transfers so I, I certainly see no issue with getting a young lad who's clearly highly rated enough to be offered another contract to to possibly fill in for some of the lads in the first team if and when required. Obviously, if he makes it, he does, and if he doesn't, he doesn't, but certainly I don't see why it isn't worth a shot. If he's been kept around this long, then obviously the general consensus has been that he does have some capacity to make it into the first team. Does he deserve a chance? Absolutely. You know, Lyndon Gooch got one, Watmore got one, Robson and Embleton have got one here and there, Honeyman got one. You know, I I say why not? Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, Thursday we announced the signing of Aidan O'Brien, as I touched on earlier, um, released by Millwall Club he's spent his entire career with. Um, on Well, I'll be honest, when I, I'd never actually heard of him. I, I mean, I feel like a bit of a novice saying that, but I, did, I hadn't, so I did what pretty much every other Sunderland fan did. I googled his name, checked Wikipedia and was completely unenthused by... Um, by scoring record so did the next best thing headed to twitter and seen what the millwall fans were saying and i was actually pleasantly surprised by just how positive the were towards him i guess he's for somebody who like i say wasn't particularly pr- prolific i don't think i've actually seen any millwall fan say anything bad about him um 
the the quote on scfc.com from from o'brien is it feels terrific to be a sunland player this is a massive club and i can't wait to get going the usual stuff um i love scoring goals it's what i live for and hopefully i can bring plenty to the team now what i take from that and what i take from seeing what the millwall fans have said which pretty much in unison is that he never got a chance in his proper position um is that he's yet to maybe prove himself that's the sort of hungry player i want surely craig isn't it oh yeah absolutely um i mean i pretty much echo what you've said that i knew limited about him i think we all had that sort of blanket over uh the eyes if you like that when we dropped out the premier league perhaps we weren't expecting to stay in the championship for that long so maybe we didn't do enough research on some of the players and that's right we didn't stay in the championship for too long because we went down rather than up um but it didn't really give us that much of an opportunity to see players at at teams like millwall like aiden o'brien so the limited bits that I have seen about him and the things that I have seen on, on social media, pretty much all of the Millwall fans were in unison saying that they were gutted to see him go. Um, and they're all pretty much married up with the same opinion to say that, um, you know, he's been played out of the, the wrong positions. He hasn't been given an opportunity. Um, interestingly, I've seen a few people say that, although he plays in midfield, that he's much, much better up front. So it's a bit of an interesting mm. one immediately because you question... You know, where's he going to go? Is he going to come in and challenge, say, Greg and White? Or is he going to be a replacement for, say, Aidan McGeady if he does leave, perhaps like we expect? So I think it's, um, well, to be honest, again, it's it's really one of those where we're not going to be too sure until we actually see him in action, whether it be pre-season um, in any games coming soon. But it's it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm happy with it because of the positives that have been said, but I can't really give too much of a an opinion to say what I've seen of him so far because like I said it's it's just not enough at this stage but he comes with a glowing reputation um one of the interesting comments I did see from the site the interview that you carried out with the uh the other Millwall page was um so just hope he gets the breaks he needs and he doesn't get homesick as he's a London boy so I thought oh god we don't need that again um because we know that we've had the issues with Will Greg commuting to the area so I hope he comes in I hope he settles well um but yeah, I mean, I've I've got I suppose every um every bit of confidence in him that he's going to come up here and hopefully do a job. I I think that's that's pretty much the best we can see at this stage. Yeah, championship experience. Uh, he's won League One in the past with Millwall. Played for Republic of Ireland. I mean, is, is there anything we can really say negatively about this particular signing, Alex? No, and it's worth noting as well that his League One goal scoring record's very good. Yeah, didn't he get? Didn't he get seventeen? Go- Sorry, didn't he get seventeen goals when Millwall got promoted? I think he had two seasons down there, and he got. I think it was something like seventeen and nineteen. Don't quote me on that, but it was it was high end in the tens, which is you know for a striker yeah. generally speaking a very good season. Well, for 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 Sunderland who've got Will Grigg and, and Charlie White, it's <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a damned improvement. I don't isn't it? think actually have have got. I mean, how many goals have they got between them this season? I don't think. I think about six. Obviously, if you count. Like six to Griggs zero in the league, yeah. So no, no, not not particularly, not particularly great. We've had already, but yeah, no. If he comes in and gets seventeen goals, then by all means, that's great business. I think I personally like to subscribe to the narrative that we've signed him so we can play him back in his proper position as a striker. Because I would imagine if he's been put on the wing or or in midfield for this long, and he's his goal scoring record perhaps doesn't reflect the kind of player he really is as a centre-forward, then he'd be quite frustrated and he'd probably want to rectify that as soon as possible. I mean, no one's getting any younger, obviously. He's not an old lad by any means. I believe he's 26. So we've, yeah. we've, we've signed someone who you would you would say, you know, in, in based on you know empirical evidence of how football is peak, he's someone who's probably in his prime. 
and we could be signing him in a division where he's proven he could score goals before as a centre forward. So assuming that Parkinson that is Parkinson's plan, which I pray that it is, then we you know again this could be a very another very astute signing on our on a limited budget. I, I, it seems that certainly we're using it well so far. And he's another international. So you know I said before yeah. perhaps it was wishful thinking to get as many of those as possible. But we you know we've got an Australian international and we've got one who who has recently just broke into the Republic of Ireland team, which is, again, very promising, but very promising and makes him feel like a, like a very up-and-coming sort of player. Again, I know that he's 26, but he's someone whose career trajectory certainly seems to be... Certainly seems to not be on a, on a, on a downward one, because we've had plenty of those. It seems mm-hmm. to be someone who, I think, is fairly stagnant for the time being, with a few green shoots, but this could be a season for him, where obviously if he is able to prove himself and prove himself right, then his career could shoot right back up in the right direction and quite literally so could Sunderland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm speculating at this stage, but I think he's going to have the hallmarks of like a Daryl Murphy type signing for for us. And like a League One level, I know obviously Murphy didn't do very well in the Premier League for us, but um, he, he seems that he has, you know, a decent physicality about him, a good build. If you look at some of the goals that he scored, I know it's the old cliche of looking at YouTube, but he seems a pretty physical player that he's quite handy. He he is basically something that we have missed, I would say, um, over the course of the past two seasons. So I think if we are bringing somebody in like that, who has represented, obviously, Ireland at, at a senior level, it's, again, it's a very promising, uh, very, very promising start at the window for us. So... <laughs> Again, I can't find any positives. Uh, sorry, negatives, should I say, which is very unlike us. Um, because yeah. you know, usually some something would normally go amiss somewhere along the line. The thing, oh Christ, um, why are we bringing this one in? But again, with him and Bailey Rice, it looks like they've both got a you know a desire to be here. And I can't imagine either one of them have come to settle for say eighth place again. I think they're coming here with the aspiration of playing for Sunderland in the Championship this season after yeah. this one coming. So I think it's a very very good uh, good few days for us. Absolutely, and I think fundamentally, sorry, Gav. I think fundamentally, these are both championship players. I think it's my sort of like just my point to summarise that we have, I think, signed two players who are recognised by other clubs as being championship standard players. And I think obviously yeah. that that alone should be promising. Obviously, there are a myriad of other factors to consider, but I think those things have been considered, and we have made signings that have the right attributes, both mentally and physically, and have just the raw quality. So I think of every signing is on paper, I use the term on paper of course because you never know, if every signing on paper is like these two then I would be very optimistic going into the start of the season but yeah. Knowing what we know about Phil Parkinson Craig, I mean playing a 3-4-3 which sort of role do you think Aidan O'Brien will feature in them because I know um, I know, obviously Parkinson had mentioned um, he can play in a variety of attacking roles which I feel is important for us, obviously adding variety is, is a good thing um, but I know that at Millwall he tended to play off the left, which is pretty much Lyndon Gooch's position, isn't it? Um, where where do you sort of see him fitting in? Well, see, that is the important question, isn't it? Because yeah. not only do we have a, a bit of strength and depth now in that competition, we've also got you know the prospect of say Elliot Embleton coming in there. Um, Jack Diamond is obviously a possibility. Um, who has actually literally just scored about ten minutes ago for Harrogate at Wembley. So, whether he he stays with us or not, um, you know we're, we're we're pretty blessed going forward now. I would say at least in those particular positions, I honestly expect to see him on the left. I think that he will provide a bit of competition uh, for Lyndon Gooch, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we will see the best out of Lyndon Gooch when he does have you know pressure on him for that particular position. 
Um, when Lewis Morgan came into the side, for example, and, and kind of forced him down the pecking order a little bit, um, you know, it was no surprise to see him basically come back and return to form. And it was it was quite similar um, that he went through a bit of a sticky patch when Phil Parkinson first arrived, that he came back in and worked incredibly well with Chris Maguire. So at the moment, I'm expecting to see O'Brien feature on the left. Um, again, I can only imagine that he's coming here to start. I don't imagine that he's going to want to sit on the bench. So I think competition in those areas are, are vitally important. Um but I, I still would like to see another striker come in. Um, again, obviously, I can't imagine Will Grigg is going to be going anywhere due to wages. Phil Parkinson's obviously been knocking on the door to say we need you to, to commit to being here, move to the area. And there's been no noises about that since. Um, so I, I really do think that we need to, to add to that particular area because with all due respect to him and Charlie White, they haven't quite cut it here. So whether Aidan O'Brien features on the left or whether he features up front, I, we are still going to need to strengthen there. But yeah, I, I imagine, like I said beforehand, that he is going to be that sort of Daryl Murphy type character where he is going to feature perhaps in, in, mm. a, in a variety of roles, but mainly on the left, I think. Uh, Craig touched on it earlier, Alex, about the interview which I did with um, the Millwall fanzine, uh, The Lion Rose, which people can head to the website and take a look. I think it went up on Thursday, actually, when he, when he signed. Um, there was two answers in particular which stood out to me. Uh, first off, I'd, I asked, you know, is he any good? basically. And he said he's great. He never really got the chances he deserved at Millwall. He's been with us since he was 15, but none of the managers we've had seem to play him in the right position as a forward. Um, then when I asked, you know, where's he at his best, he said he's far better as a forward, which, again, looking at that scoring record, you're kind of sceptical about how prolific he might actually be as a striker. Um, and he noted that the Republic of Ireland played him centre-forward and he did really well. I mean, if, say, he's come in to be, to lead the line... Where does that leave Will Grigg? Where does that leave Charlie Wyke in your eyes? Because I know, obviously, Grigg in particular is the one that we're going to struggle to shift. Yeah. Do you see him sitting on the bench as third choice again for another season? I mean, I think that's a bit of a difficult situation for both parties because I think ideally Grigg would be anywhere but at Sunderland right now. He's obviously not settled. If that interview at the Athletic was anything to go by, then he, you know, has nothing but a very sort of implicit disdain for being here. Uh, Charlie Wyke, I think, would possibly be a bit more squashable on that front. I think he'd possibly be a bit more okay with, you know, playing second fiddle and trying to sort of unsettle O'Brien from the number one spot, assuming we were playing one striker, of course, and not two, but... Yeah, I, I don't think Greg will want to sit around any longer than he has to. I don't think we want him to because he's obviously eating away a big chunk of the, the wage packet for the club. Whether or not we are able to move him is an entirely different story. I, I can't see it happening and I can't see anyone, any party being happy with, about that. But I think Wyke, I'd imagine, is on a, a lot smaller a wage. I can imagine Wyke staying for the next season. I can just imagine him not playing as much as he had to play this season. Obviously, Parkinson does like him quite a lot, as we saw. Sometimes even sometimes even inexplicably, Parkinson liked him when he was in such bad form. But Wyke did, on occasion, get goals. I mean, that, that isn't, you know, obviously not, he doesn't have a prolific scoring record, but Wyke, but Wyke did score goals. Grigg has not scored goals. So I think, you know, based on a pure mathematical reasoning, you'd probably say Grigg bottom of the pecking order, Wyke second and O'Brien first, if O'Brien was able to prove himself. And I think that would work quite well for the top two, but I don't think it would work very well for um, for Will Grigg. So I could imagine I could imagine him being quite despondent and quite miserable here if he isn't able to be moved. But given the nature of his wages and his form, there's not an awful lot I can see anyone really doing anything about. Mm. Just to round things off then, um, obviously that's two in 
in the first week of pre-season training. Yeah. Uh, where where do we where do we see perhaps the next signing coming from? Um, I mean, at this rate, you would expect us to sign maybe another four players. I would say. Yeah. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Maybe where we might see the next player coming? Yeah, goalkeeper. I think. Like, yeah. I, I think that that's got to be next. I mean, there's been murmurs of that Sarkic at Wolves, which I'd be quite happy about, but. Um, generally speaking, as long as the signing is, you know, it, it, you know, sort of contributes to us having an effective sort of financial policy with transfers, and as long as the signing is obviously good, I don't particularly mind where it comes from, as long as it makes sense in those ways. What about you, Craig? Do you anything to add? Yeah, uh, I I echo that. Yeah, I, I think um, I think by bringing in a goalkeeper, whether it is the uh, the young lad from Wolves or whoever else, it that that's a necessity straight off. Um, I think by doing so, it's going to offer good competition for Lee Burge, who you can only imagine will start the season as number one. And I think it will afford us the opportunity to loan out Anthony Patterson as well, who is going to need some much-needed first-team experience because I think there is perhaps an expectancy after this season um, that he may feature somewhat for us, whether that's on the bench or whether he'll get the opportunity to challenge for number one later down the line. Um, I think in addition to that, we are desperately crying out for some additional creativity in midfield, uh, I would say in particular centre midfield. I think in terms of what we've got, it's pretty much a, a similar style of player, if you like, in terms of, say, power and lead bitter. Um, I was one of George Dobson's biggest critics in the season just gone because, you know, although he did improve as the season went on, I just don't think he offered enough for where we are aiming to be. Uh, I think it was only one goal, one assist. Uh, I'd say don't quote me on that, I may be wrong. Um but I think that we we are needing now um like a big athletic player to come in and and just basically charge down the midfield. Um I don't think we've had, you know, kind of like a, a six foot plus sort of shit house, if you like, for for quite some time. And and I noted somebody on Twitter the other day said we need somebody of like an in-die physicality, um, who is basically gonna come in and, and you know, marshal that midfield because I think that's where we have been a little weak um over the last season or two. Uh, contrary to people's, you know, kind of popular thoughts on Lee Catamall and things like that, I, th- I think that we were overrunning an awful lot in season one, and I think last season as well, um, we we were awfully short on depth. So I'd I'd like to to think that we can hopefully bring in a little bit of quality in that areas, but um, the expectancy is like you said, I still think it's got to be about four or five. Um, and it has to be the caliber of the two that we've just brought in. It has to be the right signings, um, because we, we can't be facing a fourth season in this league. So. Um, so I'm happy with what we've got so far, but I, I think we we really need to to kind of ramp this up a little bit now because this next five or six weeks is going to absolutely fly by, and we need to aim to ensure yeah. that by the time the first day of the season comes around, that you know we're not sort of playing catch up like we did last season, going down to the last days of the window, scrounging for loan mm. signings or anything like that. Get it done now. Let them settle. Let them get used to each other. Um, and, and let's just get off to the best start of uh, that we possibly can. I don't know about you two, actually, but, you know, I've been reading an awful lot where people have saying that they're absolutely sort of sick and, you know, when football wasn't here, this, that, and the other, that they aren't missing it. But, mate, I kid you not, as soon as, you know, the first signing came back through and as soon as you see them back in training, you see the new training kits, I've got the buzz back for it again. Like, I'm literally really, really hyped for it. Um, It's just one of those things, isn't it? No matter how much, you know, they can kind of rain on your parade, Um, I think we're all just desperate for it to be back now. So I'm really looking forward to it. So long may it continue that the good signings come in. Um. It's been a good good few days. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to round things off, I, I agree with that sort of sentiment towards um, the new season starting and in that I've just had no enthusiasm for football over the, the 
the whole lockdown period really. Um, but but things are coming back slowly but surely. And like you say, the once the transfer gossip starts, everybody starts you know getting the juices flowing again. Um, that that's what we enjoy as fans, don't we? We like to dream a little bit. Um, but one last thing, just a little tidbit which I'd heard this week, and I won't name names, but um, talking about new players coming in. I did hear that a left-back was at the academy the same day as O'Brien signed, so who knows, that could be the next player through the door. Exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to name him. I think I named him on the one last podcast, actually, so it won't be hard to work out, but there we go. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, lads. We're, we'll round off there, just a nice and short one today. Hopefully there'll be no looming disaster occurring anytime soon, which means we don't have to reconvene. We can keep talking about nice things. Um, well, but yeah. Let's be fair, even if there is a disaster... It's still going to be overshadowed by the uh, the meltdown thirteen miles up the road. So we'll uh, we'll just remain happy with what we've got down here, and we'll we'll drink our cans. Mister Craig Chapman, you stop that right now. You know full well that is a <laughs> national travesty that the mags have to have the poorer billionaire, not the richer one. Don't you dare make light of that. That is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I will retract that, and I will sign the statement, and I will get in contact with Boris Johnson first thing. Good lad. Same. Cheers, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll catch you down the road. Bye. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.